Good morning. The reading today is taken from St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, verses 26 to 29, and it's on page 1543 of the Pew Bibles. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Can I start by saying it's been a joy to be with you uh, for the past weeks, and my thoughts and prayers will be with you as you go on uh, under the leadership of God, Tom, and the rest of the leadership team here. God bless you. Help us, O God, to hear your word with attention and understanding, and so write its message on our hearts, that its power may be manifest in our lives for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When I gave my life to Jesus, it came after many years of being brought up as a Roman Catholic. I think I've said that to you before. And as a good Roman Catholic, I believed that every Sunday and holy day, I received his body and his blood in the sacrament. I didn't take this lightly. Neither did my teachers, and they told me that I had to be uh, made clean to receive the body and blood of Jesus. And I needed regularly to go to receive forgiveness from the parish priest, to confess all my sin. And my fear in those days that was that I might be run over by a bus before I was made clean by the parish priest. I gave my life to Jesus after a moving talk on his sacrifice. And it was clear to me that I need not worry that he loved me, he loved me so much, despite my sin, he cared for me and he gave his life for me. And I made up my mind on understanding that for the first time really, that I should give my life to him. And my determination that I give my life to him led to a double life. Each Sunday I went to Mass at St. Joseph's and then went to St. Thomas's for the service there. On top of that, I became a regular member of the Youth Fellowship and began to teach Sunday school at St. Thomas's. I struggled with that double life for many months and the different views on the communion elements were high on the list of my internal debate Considering the church's stress on the sacraments over the centuries, especially 
on the Lord's Supper, it is surprising how little this meal is mentioned in the New Testament. Breaking of bread is mentioned twice in the books of, book of Acts. It's only mentioned once in each of the synoptic gospels for a total of 29 verses. In John's gospel, a supper is mentioned in the context of the feast of the Passover. But there is not a word about the acts or institution of that supper. Instead, in John's gospel, the focus falls on Jesus washing of the disciples' feet and his words giving a new commandment that we must love God and love each other. It's also surprising how little direct teaching we have on it. That scriptural teaching, that is. It's unlike the Passover meal mentioned in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. There is lots in there to guide us on how we should remember the Passover. But we are given no directions in the Gospels on how we should celebrate this meal. And in Matthew, we don't even have Jesus' command, do this in remembrance of me, as you would have noticed in the reading. The closest directions we have are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 through uh, chapter 11, which is a rebuke more on what not to do than what to do. Eventually, at St. Thomas's and coming on from St. Joseph's, my hand was forced when the parents of the children being taught by me in Sunday school questioned where I stood, Catholic or Anglican. Shortly after this, I was received into the Church of England. It was better for me to have a chance to do something for God, and that was available only in St. Thomas's. I resolved my position on the real presence by opting for the position of a Roman Catholic theologian, strangely, who stressed that rather than worrying about any change in the elements, one should concentrate on the importance of what was symbolized by the words of Jesus at the Last Supper. In all I say, I don't try and uh, demean what we do week by week or uh, however often we do it. Um, it's a special time when we can come in our hearts close to God. This theologians, I think it was a guy called Schillebex, his uh, way of thinking felt right to me as it related closely to my emotions that special night when I gave my life to Jesus. That wasn't the end of it in my family because um, my family continued to be good Roman Catholics and uh, there was a day when my cousin uh, was she took her final vows as a nun in uh, Bristol Cathedral, the Roman Catholic Cathedral there at Clifton. And she had invited me to do the prayers. 
because we had a really good relationship. Not as good, my, my relationship with my mother on this wasn't so good. And after I'd done my prayers, I'd asked Cecilia and the priest who was doing the communion if it was okay if I received. And he said, of course it's all right, but don't make a, don't make a meal of it. <laughs> and I received, and I'll never forget the look on my mother's face. Uh, when I unworthily received the sacrament. Later on, when she was in a hospice at the end of her life, I visited her uh, and she said, I would like to see a priest. And I said, I am a priest. She said, I want to see a proper priest. <laughs> I can only say that the priest that I arranged for her to see was a wonderful man who gave her uh, much peace in the days just before her death. The communion service is important, does it? Uh, was remembered by Jesus in the upper room. It was at the time of Passover. It was a Passover meal. A meal to remember that God had freed his people from slavery. In that upper room, Jesus made it clear that that he was taking the place of the sacrificial lamb once and for all. Jesus on the cross was to become a last and final lamb of God. And through his blood, God's people are saved from death and freed from the slavery of sin. Sin, a far greater slave master than Pharaoh. Jesus was showing us, the, 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 showing us the deep love that he has for us. A love greater than religious niceties. It's a love that is real. And we only get it right if we know that love in our hearts. And as we remember what Jesus has done for us, it moves our hearts. It doesn't matter whether bread is changing or wine is changing. We have a knowledge that Jesus loves us and wants to be with us in our very lives. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, therefore let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. What was important to Paul was sincerity and truth, realness. The purpose of Jesus was made clear throughout scriptures, what he was coming to do. They didn't quite realize it at the time, but if we read the scriptures, we can understand what Jesus was doing and what he was making possible his life was a fulfillment of the covenant promises of a loving, caring God. And that uh, answer, that fulfillment was nigh. Jesus entered Jerusalem and in cleansing the temple brought the wrath of organized religion down on him, bringing to a conclusion his purpose.
Always remember that organized religion put Jesus to death. What God wants, what Jesus wants us to remember, what is the focus of every time we uh, have a communion service is that he died on the cross. That is a central thing in our Christian faith, that he died for each one of us. In one of the Gospels, it says that Jesus says, it is finished. And I take that as Jesus saying, the job that God had given him to do for us was complete. It was done. The gospel says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. What a remarkable testimony from the man in charge of putting Jesus to death. The powerful deed of Jesus on the cross changed the world forever. It was through his obedience that the power of God was made manifest. It was through his obedience that it was possible for his power to do what needed to be done. The curtains being rent in two reminds us that it's now possible to be in the presence of God in our lives, in our daily lives as we go forward. He'll be there if we accept him in. Jesus, he was the son of man of Daniel 7. He was a divine king who will rule, rule an everlasting kingdom. He was also the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. He gave his life for all of us. All of us. At the supper had been Judas and all the other apostles. All in their own ways were to betray Jesus. They were washed clean by the blood of Jesus. That is what we ponder when we receive the bread and the wine. We, like them, have been forgiven, wonderfully free. When I listened to that talk on sacrifice in the summer of 1967, a burden was lifted from me. I was forgiven, I was free. I was loved. My guilt disappeared. There are many reasons we should celebrate this meal, but the one certain reason we celebrate it is to preach to one another and to the world the Lord's death until he comes. 
In the early days of my being a Christian, I was eager to share the good news that I had discovered. I began my personal search of discovering the wonder of a loving God with the Gospel of Matthew. I was convinced by the action of those disciples who were eyewitnesses to the cross and the risen Christ. They knew Jesus, they were there, and they were prepared to die for him. I read the stories of many who had given their lives to Jesus, some of whom gave up their physical lives. I read the story of the jungle pilot, Nate Saint, and Jim Elliot, one of his companions, who were cruelly hacked to death by the Oka tribe. They were doing it in obedience to God. They wanted to share the wonder of God's message with the whole world, and especially the tribesmen of the Oka tribe. By being obedient to God, Jesus gave his life. The power that was unleashed changed the creation. Through the obedient deeds of many over the years, not least his first disciples, God's power was made manifest. The willingness of early believers to take up their cross and follow him set, the power, set free the power that enabled the church to grow. I was thrilled by the stories of those who followed Jesus. After Jim and Nate were hacked to death, that, that tribe became Christian. The power of God was made manifest in the obedience of Jim, Nate, and his companions. I love some of the world, words that are quoted by Jim in the books that he has written. And I, it's a long time since I read them, but they're wonderful books. Jim says he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And he also said, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. It's no, no use us doing things for God that he hasn't asked us to do. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Through the obedience of Jesus, we are saved. Through our own obedience, the power of God will prevail in our world. The Spirit of God moved over the creation of the world. The Spirit of God works powerfully over and within those who take up their cross and follow Jesus. Any power that we have is a power that is present with us when the Holy Spirit of God comes into our lives. 
I was discussing whether I should sing this next bit or not. And I was convinced by your music man that I should sing it. So, so you can blame him. <laughs> I will offer up my life in spirit and truth, pouring out the oil of love as my worship to you. In surrender I must give my every part. Lord, receive the sacrifice of a broken heart. Jesus, what can I give? What can I bring to so faithful a friend, to so loving a king? Savior, what can be said? What can be sung as a praise of your name for the things you have done? Oh, my words could not tell, not even impart of the debt of love that is owed by this thankful heart. I think that showed how important it is for the music man to help us get it right. <laughs> <laughs>